The Car Guys Report is up next. But first, take a listen to this other fine Opie show. If you missed Los Ano or Los Los Ano and friends, here's what you missed. Tony, I think we have to talk about something. All right, let's talk. You spoke about going to see Star Wars again. We need to talk about you in Star Wars. <laughs> I'm proposing that before you see Star Wars again, which I know is going to happen, we need to get at least two other movies under your belt during this viewing season. And Park Strikes Back and Return of Jedi. No, no, <laughs> sir. We need to get something that does not involve laser swords, so to speak. How many times have you seen it, Tony? Seven. Just seven. Just seven. <laughs> Tony, that's over 14 hours mm-hmm. of your life devoted oh. to watching one, in my opinion, pretty mediocre Star Wars movie. Oh, that always scares me a little. <laughs> In a good way. Radio Misfits. Get more. Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lozano or whatever the f*** it's called. following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you along here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, and we're back for yet another exciting episode of the Car Guys Report. And, uh, Lou, we've been talking just a little bit in the past uh, couple episodes about uh, the uh, cold weather uh, making its... uh, uh, self-known here, at least in the Midwest, and not seeing quite as many cars on the road. That's one thing I always like to to, to uh, enjoy is when I'm driving around, just like to see what's on the road. And this is actually one that I had spotted uh, way earlier in the summer. I've been waiting to just spring it on you, and I'm sure you probably have one on your YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou, but it was a nice uh, car to see on the road. It was a 69 Nova Rally Sport mm-hmm. in a light green metallic. It looked like it was all original, and I don't know what the Rally Sport Sport um, package exactly entailed. It did say Rally Sport on the vehicle, and it just was a really, you know, when you see a car and you just have this, you get this warm, fuzzy feeling when you're looking at a car and you just have a feeling that it's either a very, very well cared for original car or actually all original, and it just makes you feel good. And that's what this car looked like just yeah. driving along. Um, when I say well cared for, meaning that it could be the original owner, but maybe it was repainted once along the line or something, or it could be an all original car. But it's just one of those things, you just see a car like that, and it's a very neat car. Do you have anything like that in no. your vast archives of well, well, let me qualify. my car story so, so we've we definitely have novas on the channel oh yeah but the rally sport uh like i said i'm not sure what exactly entailed so, so you said it was light green it was light green yeah what was the stripe black white, or white? It was white okay so the stripe really popped on that yeah green. yeah yeah because sometimes i think they have black stripes yeah on i them. think they do yeah um i don't know if i have a rally sport okay so, so you may have one there's a lot of super sports mm-hmm um, that I've seen uh, that are on the channel that are that are there, and some that are not super sports that are just a regular Nova, if you'll call it that. Mm-hmm. So those are those are on the channel, but probably not a. Um, some of them that I'm looking for 
um, is probably like a Yanko Nova. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is which one you on see the a dime a dozen. Sometimes you see them at car shows, but you know they're not the they're not the original. <laughs> they're not the real, not thing. The real thing. Yeah, yeah. but there, I do have a real one on the channel. But uh, also, there's um, uh, yeah, no, the Rally Sport would be great. Yeah, that's a good It was one. cool, yeah. So next time I'll have to uh, I, I, run the guy off the road and, and tell him about you. <laughs> Speaking of running a guy off the road, it's a it's a standing joke with my son, who's the editor on the channel. He's he's 15 now, but um, we're looking for a Transformer Camaro. Okay. When the when the uh, from the original movie when the car was a you know rusted 70s late 70s Camaro and it turns into the uh, the updated. Camaro, which then finally actually came out and to be a real production, mm-hmm. they made a few Transformer versions. So it's funny when you see the little Transformer uh, logo underneath the uh, on the fender. Yeah, you know. So yesterday I was driving to an event, and sure enough, on the highway, you know, was a yellow one. And I thought I saw one of those at a car show sometime this summer. It rings a vague bell in my head. Now there's there's one that's out there at the car show that when you open the hood, it's got all kinds of a mural under it and stuff yeah. like that. I'm looking for one that's just you know original. One of the cars that's interesting that's a Camaro that occasionally you see is the Hot Wheel version. Okay, yeah, I've seen a couple of those for sure. I actually parked uh, last year, I parked next to a guy with one of those at, at a car show and we were talking and stuff and I had the I had the Impala, he had his his Hot Wheels version. They're pretty cool. They are cool. The interesting thing is you get into the minutia of it, which is what we love to do, yeah. is there's a six-cylinder version, a convertible version, yeah. An, an SS version with a V8. Yeah. So you've got kind of six convertible, eight convertible. He had the convertible, and I, I want to say it was the V8, but I'm not positive. Yeah, right. So, I mean, you start to get into all the little details of them, but you don't see very many Hot Wheel versions. No. And and how you can tell them is usually from the rims on the car because it looks like that Hot Wheel, wheel rim that goes all the way out, and they put in the rim that little red line mm-hmm. around it so it looks like the Hot Wheel from... Uh, from the day. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. So I spotted a Transformer yesterday, and I sent it off to him in a quick text, and he, he just laughed. He's like, ha, ha, ha. Still can't get one. Yeah, right. Still can't get one. How many of those did they make? Not that many, or? It seems to me that they didn't make many, yeah. but, not, you know, I don't I don't have the production numbers on that. Yeah. It's so, amazing how many different, and I mean, car companies have been doing this all along, but it seems like lately they keep coming out with these little special editions that are i don't know if they're they're completely limited only to how many they can sell or if they're truly limited or if it's just some obscure option package that you can select that not that many people know about or whatever yeah. because these cars just keep popping up transformers and hot wheels and things like that so yeah it's pretty neat which is exactly what we like yeah exactly be sure to tell a friend about what uh you're listening to here on the uh, radio misfits podcast network that would be the car guys report informed automotive with your friends mark vernon and lou costable we're available online at radiomisfits.com you can follow us at car guys podcast on twitter and of course please email us too we'd love to hear your thoughts suggestions complaints comments or praise at car guys report at hotmail.com lou you kind of seem like a guy that doesn't mind buying stuff online are you a big amazon shopper or uh do you just kind of keep your your credit card hidden so you're not uh buying while intoxicated on ebay or (laughs) which is something people do do every now and then well i i have bought many things on ebay i've got a little thing there and i've bought things on amazon but actually i don't drink i don't know if you knew that or not and you know i'm high enough on 
air. Yeah. So on alcohol, I'd be I'd be dangerous. <laughs> you would be dangerous, yeah. exactly. On, on oxygen, would be like most people on heroin. So <laughs> the reason I bring that up is because uh, obviously we're living in a digital online world these days, and Tesla has kind of been a leader in trying to sell their cars online. And of all the car makers out there, Porsche is actually getting ready to. Uh, take things, as they say, in a more digital direction. Uh, they're looking to uh, start a 25-dealer pilot program to launch an on-car sales platform here in the U.S. And I've always wondered, you know, what it would be like to buy a car online? I mean, you've got to go to a dealer at some point to drive the thing, to, to, to know that you like that actual model, and then maybe you could exit and just not have to deal with the salesperson. But then... I don't know. It says here, buying and leasing options for new and used vehicles are included. You'll be able to browse available inventory online and handle nearly every part of the process without stepping foot in a dealership. All that's needed at the end is a visit to the dealer to sign final documents and obviously drive the vehicle away. It's interesting that they're doing that, but I still think that it just leaves too much to the imagination. I mean... Well, there's, on the I know on the West Coast, I I don't know if I've seen it here, and I, I want to say I've seen a commercial for it. It's almost like car vending machine. Carvana. And they Carvana. have one actually in That's Oak Brook off of uh, Interstate uh, 88. You can I, see it. They built it over the summer. And it's like, what, eight stories tall? Yeah, and, it, yeah. and, it's, and it's, it's a, a giant glass. glass thing, and it's got like <laughs> four cars on each level. That's yeah, a glass yeah. elevator. Yeah. And the short story is you order yours yeah you know you put your coin in yeah you get this big token yeah you put your token in and it uh, i'm being facetious you somehow order it and it you know the elevator you select it online that's what you would do yeah select it online the elevator goes up picks 20 minutes later your car comes down to you and 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 you drive away and that's your car so see i think that's a gimmick though i think that's just really gimmicky but yet we're talking about it i we are because it's i mean it must it's cool when you see a a tower of cars i mean i mean you you can't think about the cost to build a tower of cars well that's the other thing too i mean that's what you really have to think about the upfront cost of the way they do that sure they're probably saving money because they're doing it digitally but then they have too i think the commercials actually show them delivering a car to you if you don't want to go to the the vending machine and then there's there's something like a five day or whatever money back thing where you know it's just like that's got to be reflected in the price somehow because it's, that stuff isn't free. I mean, those well, guarantees you're, you're, and those you're wiping, transports and... You're wiping out salaries, right? But yet you're... Theoretically. And, and I you're, mean, there's some back-end stuff there. You're, you're still paying property tax for the for the property that your tower's on. Yeah. But you're probably not paying as much property tax because now it's a tower instead yeah. of a, a plane. Oh, yeah. You place. don't have 50 acres of a parking lot right. with a bunch of cars parked there. Um, it, it's interesting how this is all evolving. Obviously, there's a lot of... of f- political and financial uh, implications to it as well, because political by the standpoint that most states, as far as I understand it, and I don't want to get into a big discussion on it because I don't know that much about it, but I know that's the the biggest obstacle that Tesla has been running into is the fact that there's actually like state mandates that say that auto companies cannot sell directly to a consumer. They have to go through a dealer. And that's what Tesla's been fighting now for several years. And they've had some minor victories here and there. I think, you know, because car dealers, car salespeople are always, you know, down there with Congress and the approval ratings, they're like 3% of the people think they do a good job. Um, I think it's something that will definitely uh, have 
um, <clears throat> a growth uh, factor to it and a fact that would appeal to a lot of people because I love shopping online. I mean, I, I don't have to hassle with going to a store or dealing with, with people or fighting a crowd or whatever. And I think that if you really know what you're looking for car-wise, it makes a lot of sense. I just can't see people not wanting to test drive the car a you know representative model of the car they're looking for you know like the honda accord or whatever without um you know i just can't see them just selecting a button and going yeah this car looks nice let's try that out and order it online so we'll have to just see how it all plays out it's 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 gonna be real interesting to see Uh, i know that a lot of car dealers are already promoting um used car and or new car sales like this on an individual basis not necessarily backed by the company but backed by the dealership where they're saying you can basically what porsche is doing here is basically do almost everything you want uh online and all that you need is just one final visit to pay for the vehicle sign the documents and then drive the vehicle away who knows where it's all going to lead but uh eventually i think you will be able whether it's in three years five years ten years you'll be able to literally go to a a site like an amazon select a car order it pay for it and boom it'll show up on your driveway or somehow be shipped to you or you'll go pick it up at a you know some kind of distribution center or something like that it'll be interesting to see um what is has been your um experience with car salespeople and things like that have you had a good experience mostly or you know most car people are car people and um granted you're gonna you know you have a sense for who you like and who you don't yeah right so um you know i i tend to not have a problem with with car salespeople so um but at that same point i'm not sure i have no problem with selecting a car that I haven't seen. Yeah. And, and when I say seen, I don't have to go into the dealership, but like you said, I, I'd like to test drive it. And I'll give you a good example. So the Ford, uh, I bought an Explorer uh, a while back, and there were two two of them. There was the EcoBoost four-cylinder, and there was the six-cylinder. And the six-cylinder, the gas mileage was supposed to be a little worse, according to the sticker. But I got in that EcoBoost, and, you know, <laughs> That's how it sounds. You get into the six-cylinder, and it's quiet. I'll do the yeah. sound again. Yeah. <laughs> there is no sound. So it was so smooth, and it was no question that the engine noise was so obviously, you know, impacting yeah. to the cabin that, and it almost had that sound of that cheap tinny noise that I was like, this is this is not going to last. Yeah. I mean, it just didn't give me the feeling of confidence sure. that it was going to last. And that was, you know, I'm looking at the same car with the same, you know, no miles on it and, and things like that. So um, I do think you need to, to get in a car. Now, there could be cars that I could see that I'm, I'm a little surprised that Porsche would be doing yeah, it. Yeah, because you, that's if, enthusiasts. And if you told me Toyota or Honda was doing yeah, this. I could see that because people. Because people know what they're getting. Yeah, it's, it's an it, appliance. It, yeah, it's it, yeah, right. You know, it's like ordering cat food. Yeah. You just go and you point at the shelf and you pick it up. Yeah, and, and I want a yellow bunch, one or so green a whole bunch one of cat people right yeah. now are going to, Lou, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> there's there's health products and things like that. Right. So maybe the cat food wasn't a good example. Maybe, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, big plastic cups, right? So, you know, you p- pick the plastic cup and you pull it off and you throw ice in it and it's still the same party. And we'll use that rather than But you get what I'm saying. So uh, a Toyota or a Honda... You know, you know what a Civic is. You know what a what a what an Avalon is. You know what a what a Camry is. Yeah. I mean, there's no surprise there. So there's no emotion buying. That no, car. no, it's just you know, price. You know, C, you know C, color. CRV. Yeah. You know, Rav Four. 
yeah, right. Pick the color, pick the interior, it comes to your house, you you know what it is. Yeah. So but a Porsche, you know, now I mean well, that's we're, an emotion. That's yeah, an emotion. Especially where you have, you know, on, on a on a on, on the German cars, but it always seems Porsche in particular, everything is an option. I mean, you can get anything you want, basically, but everything is an option from red seat belts to custom paint to, you know, a myriad of, of different interior configurations and things like that. And that's the kind of stuff where you just can't pick and choose online like that because you actually have to see this stuff, you know, see the samples of it in the dealer and see what it might look like in an actual car because all that stuff costs money. And well, it rings I'll, up the, the, the base price pretty quickly on those cars I'll give you an well. example. We, I just videoed a 2019 exclusive series Porsche. All right. And then there's a Cabriolet, the convertible, and there's the coupe. And I think they make 500 coupes and something like, you know, 250 convertibles. Yeah. The, the numbers are, you know, somewhat close to that. Well, the thing that amazed me with the convertible, which I'd never seen before, is the car has stripes on it. Mm-hmm. Well, the stripes actually are weaved into the convertible into the top. top wow so you you know the stripe actually wraps the yeah. car where yeah. usually you go okay convertible no it's the, the stripes stop there not on this <laughs> one so you know it, it was a little bit of a mental you know now you in my opinion you have to see that now the the opposite of that is somebody says hey it's a limited edition there's only five i want it i don't need to see it so personally I'm more of an emotional buyer, I think. And if you're not buying an emotional product, like if, you know, it's a, a car that I say, okay, it's a daily driver. If it gets a ding in the door, who cares? Yeah, yeah, you could buy it online. So we'll have to just see where the whole online car buying experience is going to go. But definitely something to uh, keep our eyes on over the next uh, few years and see where everything uh, shakes out. Well, think about what you're going to talk about next. Bring a trailer. We right. will in a minute. But but I'm I'm when you talk about that yeah well that, that's buying that's online on, sure that, it's that's an auction an, that's yeah. an online auction and you're rolling the dice yeah I mean, that thing could say ten thousand miles and it could come with a hundred well but that's miles. why they they always say at least I'm being a trailer they're very transparent uh, about mileage they always say TMU true mileage unknown whether it's ten thousand or a hundred thousand just because that just yeah. kind of covers everybody's butt and that's why if you've ever been on that site um, there's usually 50, 80, 100 different pictures of the car from like every conceivable angle. And there's a big, long description because that's all the stuff they require, basically, because they're trying to get it to the point where you almost have like absolutely no questions or no surprises. But there's always something, you know, I've lucked out. I've bought a couple of cars, used cars online uh, that I've had shipped. My Aston Martin, uh, the Jaguar that I owned, um, and even the the Saab to some degree because that was bought through a private party, uh, but I never saw the car just in pictures until it arrived. And luckily, I've I've been lucky. I haven't there haven't been any major surprises. But you just have to again. It's like if anything, you just have to do your due, due diligence as much as possible, and then just hope for the best. Because so at some is, point, you know, you're just kind of crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. So this is interesting. All the cars you've just mentioned, you've you've purchased online. Well, uh, online from the standpoint of yeah, finding it on a on a dealer website, as a, a used car lot dealer website in another state, then calling the dealer to find out about the car you know, or emailing them. But then at some point, I'm having a conversation with a human though because I have to arrange right. you know, price and shipping. But you never that seen stuff. it. But you never. Drove I've seen it. pictures. I never drove it though. Yeah. And, and here it came in. And yeah. You were, and it and luckily, out. it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So. Which is which. You know, I'm. I might be the exception to the rule there, oh, but maybe not. 
you just don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough that, that things have worked out that way. But there's always something, like you said, though, I mean, a picture can only show so much, even with the high quality, uh, high definition, super good cameras we have right now and good monitors on our computers and stuff. There's always just something that you, you may or may not catch. So just be be diligent on that. Another thing we want to talk about here on the uh, Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, is emerging technologies in the automotive industry. And one of them, Lou, is called SPD. That stands for Suspended Particle Device. And they're calling it the Star Trek-like name for a film that turns vehicle sunroofs and other glass from transparent to opaque with an electric current, and it just does it basically uh, instantaneously. This has kind of been around for a few years. Mercedes has been using it in the S-Class for, I I think, the uh, sunroofs. But they're talking about, because obviously the price is coming down. Uh, Right now, they're talking about it being maybe about a $2,500 option on certain cars down the line. But they're not only talking about being able to tint the roof, but they're talking about being able to tint temporarily, obviously, because that's the whole idea behind this, is all the glass in the car. So, like, if you go to park your car and it's in the sun, you'd flip a switch. The suspended particle device would tint all the windows, windshield, everything, while you're parked to keep ultraviolet to keep heat from building up in the car to keep prying eyes from looking into the car to see what's inside it and then when you come back flip the switch back and you're back to normal and they're saying it could it could have a, a way to save obviously your interior from uv um uh degradation a way to save fuel and um put less stress on your air conditioning because if you have the car that's tinted the heat's not going to build up on the inside as much so your air conditioner won't have to work as hard as possible or as hard as it would so there's a a couple of neat things uh to this technology and like i said it's not exactly new but they're talking about it all of a sudden because the price is coming down uh mercedes and mclaren currently offer spd glass on a handful of their cars like i said the mercedes s class and sl roadster and they say the interior of the four hundred eleven thousand dollar mclaren 720s convertible uh, spider that I drove this summer is notably cooler and less and more pleasant than the previous model with a roof of normal tinted glass. So it's yeah, I think the cool thing would be just to see that in 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 uh, real to see how quickly it it the glass goes uh, dark and how quickly it can you know uh go back to its normal thing but it's basically it's it's with electrical current so it's it's basically an instantaneous kind of thing so just another thing to uh, keep your eyes upon suspended particle device glass uh abbreviated spd or speed (laughs) it's just kind of funny but something uh is pretty cool that's uh, actually out now and basically coming to more vehicles um in the uh, world uh, pretty soon you just mentioned uh, bring a trailer, Lou, and um, we always like to uh, talk about cars that are either for sale or sold recently online. <laughs> there we go again uh, through uh, sites like Hemmings, um, bring a trailer, things like that. And um, our one loyal listener, Paul, and we've talked about this before, has mentioned that sometimes you guys always just talk about Ferraris or Lamborghinis or things like that. And you got to talk about more pedestrian cars that come up for sale, too, or have sold. And I've been trying to do that because some of these are, are pretty neat. This might sound like a real plain Jane car, but this was a 1978 Toyota, Toyota Celica GT5 Speed that sold on... Um, 
bring a trailer. And that's it's a classic car. It's just a, a nice two-door sedan, a late 70s Toyota, just a classic clean style. You don't see too many of them anymore because they're basically no one. There's another car that people just didn't uh, hold on to. You know, it's got quad headlights on it. This one was 25,000 original miles, which is awesome. An older repaint in the original orange color. It was a five-speed manual transmission. And I think this was actually well bought at $7,500 because um, the car just looks phenomenal in the picture. It was a California car. And again, you just don't see these uh, Toyota Celicas that often in really good shape. I mean, anyone that you'd ever see here in the Midwest would be rusted out. And that's another reason why they're just not around. And 25,000 miles on the uh, clock for 7,500. I think it's well bought and actually well sold too, because maybe the guy was thinking he might get less than that and someone paid up 7,500. I think basically for buyer and seller, uh, they basically uh, did well uh, with that. I mean, I can't even remember, Lou, the last time I saw a 78 uh, Toyota Celica on the road at all. I mean, just not even at a car show. It's just one of those cars that just kind of has flown under the radar, but I think people are, are realizing that it's kind of a future collectible just from the standpoint of it's being a nice, clean design. And... Um, it's a neat car, so I'm glad that uh, one of them showed well, I, up. I do have one on the channel, but to your point, I was walking down probably, without exaggeration, there were Ferraris to the left of me, and then I saw like a 78, 77 Toyota Corolla, Yeah, and I was like, holy cow. Yeah. So although the new Ferraris were all over to the left, I was, I, you know, I talked to the guy, and he's like, yeah, I've had this car since new. Wow. And I, it was a similar story. Not many miles on it. I was just like, wow, how did you keep this in the Midwest this long? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's the, yeah, you're right. You just don't see those anymore because they just evaporated. They once, did. once the salt hit these yeah. things, I mean, they would be gone in two years, yeah. three years. Yeah. And that's why it's it's always nice to see a car like that come up for sale. And it, and just so our, our listeners know that if you've never been to the uh, uh, website, bringatrailer.com, you should definitely go. They have uh, over 200 auctions live at any um, given time. And it's a really good way to... Uh, kind of gauge the marketplace uh, selling prices for cars because whatever sells on that site um, or sometimes cars don't sell but they will list it got bid up to a certain price that's kind of the marketplace speaking and saying we only think this car you know it's somewhat of a snapshot but it's still saying you know a a well-informed audience is saying they think this car is only worth this much if it if it didn't sell or if it sold they go okay this is what it's worth and someone was willing to pay up for it so it's kind of a good um uh, idea generator there as far as what your car could be worth and just some really cool stuff that comes up on that site you can search sold listings you can search by make and model and it's just a neat way to uh to do research on um on collector type cars so bring a trailer is one of our our favorite sites that we like to talk about here on the car guys report inform automotive and if you like what we're doing here on this podcast be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the radio misfits podcast network like the show let me get my paper here Back to you, legendary Chicago TV personalities Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville talk about life, travel, food, and the long list that kind of things that kind of get under their skin. Plus, you never know when one of their many famous pals might stop by. Back to you, it's an OPI show and it's available only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. 
This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. We had a great time in our last uh, episode talking about uh, frivolous or uh, somewhat dubious car features, maybe stuff you can or can't live without, uh, courtesy of Road & Track. This is part two. We're going to split this into three parts because there's a lot of things talking, uh, a lot of talking points about it, and we're talking about good and bad uh, in the first uh part of the list and we're going to hit part two right now lou and this is more um this one seems to be pretty much uh more electronically um based a lot of the uh electronic things that are available in cars these days like in-car wi-fi i'm not exactly sure i totally understand why you want in-car wi-fi because unless you've got three people and they all have a, a smartphone they all want to be on different sites at the same time i guess that's when it would come in handy but since i don't have children and i'm usually the only one in the car i don't see how in-car wi-fi would be of benefit to me well not to you but you just exactly you said why, why the wi-fi why would was, be would work yeah. for other people perhaps that, that that gives you three babysitters if you've got three yeah other people yeah that, in the that car. does make sense bluetooth obviously is a no-brainer i don't think that's a frivolous feature at all because bluetooth the technology to wirelessly connect your phone to your radio into your car but it's not just that it's for streaming like our podcast you could stream our our podcast through your radio and there's all kinds of other uh technology that is using the bluetooth standard now too so bluetooth definitely i think is something that is um a must-have, I think, in, in any any car these days. Uh, Android Auto Apple CarPlay. Now that's a must-have for our podcast, Lou. <laughs> um, actually, I don't have I don't have those in any of the cars I own. My girlfriend's Prius has. I want to say she's got a version of of Apple, like an earlier version of Apple CarPlay. Uh, are you familiar? Do you use any of those no. those two platforms at all? I know that that they make a big deal about them coming on uh, newer cars these days because obviously Android and Apple are the two uh, major operating platforms for uh, you know the majority of cell phones out there today, smartphones, uh, satellite radio. Um, I had uh, I have satellite radio in several of my cars. I don't have it activated. When I bought them, I had a, like a three month trial. And um, the only thing I'm going to say here, I don't want again, I don't want to get into a big discussion too off off the beaten path here. But as a radio person, a guy that's that's been in broadcasting for many many years, uh, I think the big thing that a lot of people don't realize about satellite radio is the fact that the dynamic range on the music is just not there because they have to cram so many channels into limited bandwidth that it's got a very limited sound to it. And it's the whole compression thing. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about people that have grown up with compressed sounding uh, music uh, downloads and things like that. They've gotten used to it. But I know, I think it was Neil Young actually has brought out a um, streaming player that does not compress the music or it uncompresses it or does something to bring the sound back. And that's the only thing that really bugged me about satellite radio, being a radio guy, is the fact that if you really listen to it, you, you, you're realizing you're not getting the dynamic range. And what dynamic range is, real briefly, it's, it's like the difference between the, the loudest sound and the, and the light, uh, 
lowest sound you'll hear in a given musical passage. And classical music is uh, very famous for that. Well, you'll have these passages, like you might have like a booming bass drum, and then way in the background, you might have just like some little strings or something coming in. And the ability to be able to hear the lowest and the highest and that space in between is what, uh, to me, satellite radio lacks from the audio fidelity standpoint. The, the selection, the channel selection, the, the, the assortment of things out there is great. But for a true, I'm not saying I'm an audiophile, but I kind of lean towards that at some point. That's the only thing. Have you ever noticed that, or do have you listened to satellite radio in I, your cars? I just noticed how much you know about it. Yeah, that's what I well, noticed. I said, "Holy cow!" This, for a guy who doesn't want to talk about it, you, <laughs> I, I just learned more in that two minutes than I ever knew about satellite radio in my life. And I agree with you. There's a ton of channels, but I had no idea of the range. So thanks for pointing that out. Again, well, a lot of people might not. I, I never notice, knew about. You, I never knew about that you might not notice it you might not and it might have they might be doing things to improve it too because there's so many different kinds of of digital processing you can do now um but i know at least this is going back eight years ago when i had it in my infinity when i bought that car i had a sample and just when you really start paying attention to it it just sounds kind of weird um but that's you know a buddy of mine and i talk about that all the time because we're always like we don't like compressed music um so that's a give or take there on satellite radio. Now, Lou, um, I've never driven a car with a heads-up display. Have you? I haven't. You haven't. Yeah, I always wondered, is that... I've, would you consider that a frivolous feature? Is it something um, that's so performance-oriented? Because I guess you don't have to take your, your you don't have to look down at your instrument panel. Well, when I think of it, I think of the Corvette. Yeah, the Corvettes were one and of the I, early ones. And I'm trying to remember which Corvette I've been in where it's been on, and I can't recall it. Yeah. So um, I'm sure I've been in a Corvette with it but maybe never on so because that's one of those features i think that has kind of come and gone over the years because i remember it was a, a big hot thing even way back i don't know maybe in the 80s yeah, i think well, the early being the, i think it was maybe the 90s but it was like maybe even 2000 early 2000s it'd be middle of your windshield yeah the whole goal yeah so you don't have to take your eyes off the exactly road. The, the number or the the speedometer, the speedometer right and, yeah and all the other stuff and i think now they're getting i the thing that amazes me and some of what they're able to do with some of the uh, tft displays now because they're using those instead of actual mechanical gauges is the way they can a reconfigure the the virtual speedometer and tachometer and things like that depending on what mode if you're in a sport mode or a regular mode or an econ mode or something or the way they're able to throw your navigation map into your right into your um center of your instrument cluster it's just it's pretty cool looking when you see some of that so it's not really a heads-up display but it's the same idea that it, that you're trying to make something that's less distracting so you're not looking off to the right or whatever well even um even adding this sp- uh, the speed limit as you're driving yeah that to me is a blow away meaning you're driving down the highway and all of a sudden you're at a 45 or a 35 and i'm watching the speed limit sign change on my dashboard yeah and i'm like what? that's the wonder of gps <laughs> That's the way they do it. It's amazing yeah, that it they is. can do that. It is. Um, automatic windshield wipers. How do you feel about those? Oh, that's a must. Do you, you like them? Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I. Um, they can be a little frustrating at times. Uh, I have them on the Cayenne, and sometimes they seem to have a mind of their own when it's they not raining. Well, they just keep going on. You know, they, they go on longer than they should. Yeah. And then sometimes I just have to like turn it off so they'll reset, and then I'll turn it back on, and then it, they'll they'll kind of start going again normally. It's, I, and I don't know if exactly how they work. I think there's a sensor somewhere on the windshield that somehow detects moisture Water or something. It, yeah. yeah. And I, the ones on the Mercedes work great. 
Um, and it's something that if you have them turned on and you forget that it's turned on, it's just kind of invisible because then when it starts to rain, they'll get the, the swipe. Yep. Just once, then swipe again. And it's pretty cool. So I, I, I do like that. Do you have them on your Lincoln? I uh, got them on the Lincoln. Yep. Everything else is stock and, you know, adjusted. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, adaptive cruise control. Any cars uh, if you've driven it? Because, again, I don't like a lot of this Define overly adaptive. Compu- adaptive, I think, is what is kind of like the radar cruise control where you set the, the cruise control and your car will automatically adjust its speed versus depending on the car in front of you. So if they slow down all of a sudden, the um, cruise control will, will back and, off your every, car as well. Every car I have will go straight into the back well, exactly. end of your car. <laughs> exactly. Every That's not adaptive I've cruise got. control. Yeah, that's why I said define that because <laughs> once I set cruise control, I could fall asleep and I'd be I'd be in the you know in a cornfield. Um, again, it's so I don't think I've ever had that. I, to me, it's I, I haven't had it all, and I don't really want it because to me, it's ceding too much control to the to the computer of the or, car or the lane. The lane, the lane departure warning and the stuff where it actually will turn your steering wheel, turn your wheel or vibrate your seat or whatever. It's it's way too much. Have you had anything with that? I've test drove uh, a car that the Mercedes that this was early. Again, this was about six years ago that had the lane departure warning and it wouldn't do anything with the steering wheel, I don't think. But it was like I think it was vibrating the seat to like tell you that or like I, to simulate that you're like yeah. drifting you know i drove i drove it. two of them a, a, a recent uh rav4 toyota when i was in arizona i picked it up as a rental car and it threw me off because i was you know i, I was maneuvering lanes yeah and, and i wasn't maneuvering lanes it yeah. was like pulling it pulling me back and uh, there was this little battle going on between me and the car, and I, I couldn't figure out how to turn it off. So well, I ha- that's the thing. I mean, as long as all this junk is de- defeatable, it's not so bad. But I would just hate the thought of getting into a car unless it remembers your settings, because some do and some don't. You know, every time you get in the car, you got to turn all this crap well, off. Well, it was not only not letting me get to some lanes that I was trying to get to, uh, because it was reading lines in the lanes, but it was also reminding me every time I was doing over the speed limit. The actual like little speed sign would have a little red bar around yeah. it, you know. So if I was doing thirty six and a thirty five, it would it's always scolding say, you, it's yeah. nannying you. It's like you know, what are you doing? And I'm <laughs> like, uh, trying to get somewhere. Lou, so, this is yeah. hell. You have exceeded the speed limit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like, like we tr- we drive in Illinois, we never follow. Yeah, anymore. exactly. Yeah. But uh, just another, uh, that was part two of our uh, list of uh, features on cars that some people feel they can or can't live without these days. And we've got part three coming up on uh, a future episode, uh, probably fairly shortly, of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. That's the podcast you're listening to right now. We've got a visitor at the door, some brake parts once again being delivered to the Car Guys Report warehouse. I'll have to go sign with the UPS man and we'll be back after this. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. I was at the temple on Monday. I was walking into the temple and I held the door open for a pretty attractive older woman. I'd say she was like in her early 70s maybe. And she goes, well, thank you. Are you here for the seniors event? Oh, ouch. Oh, let the record show she was kind of hot in a 70-year-old kind of way. So I'm like, I mean, are you know. listening to what you're saying right now? <laughs> Minutia Men with Rick and Dave, the Tony Lasano podcast, and Opie Production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. What would that be, a GMIF? Uh, oh, my, a grandma? oh, my um, God. Stop. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. 
it just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com. <clears throat> a lot of anchors do that. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, it's a thing. <clears throat> Are you ready? Ah, oh, boy. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. Let's do good. it again. What? That was good. No, we messed it all up. What's wrong? What? How? It was going good, and then it went south. No, it didn't. Well, if that went south, get, see what happens now. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. Back to you on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. I need an agent. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable. And Lou, we always tend to think that the 80s were uh, kind of a fun decade. And uh, other times people want to say, well... I don't know about the 80s, but it's starting to get recognized as far as collectible cars are concerned. And again, our friends at the Wall Street Journal, Dan Neal, the uh, automotive writer for the Wall Street Journal, tends to cover some pretty interesting things. And recently he had an article on 380s cars that um, he feels are going to be classics uh, now or have become recognized as classics now. And so, so let me guess. Some of them are I, a little oddball. I, though. I haven't seen your list. Are these American cars or they're, foreign cars? Actually, they're, they're all imports. Okay. So and two of them are Asian. Really? Yeah. All right. I didn't see that. When I think 80s, and I'm trying to think best of the best, the first one that, well, uh, these. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. This is from the 90s. I. Okay, nineties. I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah, so I don't know why I got eighties on there when I when I was that's preparing okay. the program. For some reason, my 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 my, my mind must have been on the eighties, but it's these are the nineties. Okay, so let me yeah. let me jump into the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in the same venue, then I would switching gears just a bit. Yeah. If I'm thinking nineties, uh, and you already mentioned how many of them are foreign? All of them. And how many are the three? So I would say uh, two Asian and one uh, European Nis- Nissan NSX. Nope. Uh, or no, the Acura. No, no, that's not on here. No. Wow. All right. And then uh, what about a Porsche, the last air-cooled one? Was a 9? No, it's not on this. Really? I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. <clears throat> so are they talking like an F, F50 or? You're not going to know. These are, these are, I guess you would call these affordable. Oh, affordable. Um, semi-affordable, yeah. Uh, affordable classics from the 90s and so, cars that are performance oriented but they're not over the top so a mitsubishi uh you're eclipse? getting closer you're getting closer mitsubishi eclipse uh how about a um uh Volkswagen? you were close well you talk about the nsx what other car did acura make in the 90s that people like these days and they're hard to find hmm the Supra? The Integra. The Integra. Yeah, Toyota made the Supra. This is the Acura yeah, 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 Integra. Yeah, yeah, right, right. DC2 um, Type R, made from 95 through 2001. You know, here's the thing. I never liked the front of that thing. It looked like little torpedo headlights. It does, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I couldn't, I, I w- that wouldn't have never, I, the thing that, that would have never jumped the on people that, the, the reason people love this car is it's got a 1.8 liter, 195 horsepower, naturally aspirated four cylinders with the VTEC, which was the uh, variable valve timing that Honda brought out. It's got an 8,500 RPM fuel shutoff, so the thing spins like hell. Um, it's got a close ratio five-speed gearbox, uh, limited slip front differential because it's a front-wheel drive car. And it's just a... 
it's a neat car. And you don't say, again, this is another car that was out in the 90s, at least in the Midwest. You don't, you never see those anymore in good shape. If you see them, they're all clapped out or they've been modified or okay. something. And now, now, now you've got me thinking, okay, so how about Mitsubishi 3000? That's not on here. It could be. Yeah, that's a great car. We've that's talked about that. Yeah, car. and it's starting to really get some interest as far because I've seen them showing up at shows. Okay. I saw like two now, or three at shows this I'm, summer. I'm, I've never before seen that. <laughs> all right, so go ahead. I'm, no, wait, no, go ahead. What, what are you going right, to say? So, so the Mitsubishi 3000 is not on there. That was probably and the Stealth was right along with it, but uh, okay. So, so the Eclipse wasn't bad there. either because you could get an Eclipse with all-wheel drive and. Um, yeah, it had a turbo engine too. It didn't have the V six twin turbo uh, that now, the that the I did mention 3000. Toyota. Toyota had a pretty cool Celica back then. Is that they had, in there? They had the Alltrack, which was a really funky all wheel drive Celica, and those are rare. This is a very limited list. Go ahead. Let's hear what the Okay. Um, well, there's only three cars on this list, so that's why it's, like I said, very limited. But the Acura Integra DC2 Type R, 1995 to 2001. Um, oh, wait, let me guess one more. How about an MR2? Uh, no, Mr. Twos, no, they're not on here. And that would have been the second generation, too, because the first one was the one that looked pretty much like a Fiat X19, and then the second generation was actually a good-looking car. Oh, yeah. And it didn't look... And that's a mid-engine vehicle. Yeah, very cool. Um, now, this must be... This is a little confusing here, because it says here, the Acura Integra, the one we're talking about, this DC2 Type R... These are pretty rare. Some of these are pretty rare. It says, widely regarded as the best handling front drive car in history, and dare I say, a 90s icon, the Type R now has collectible status. Okay. A low mileage 1997 model sold on Bring a Trailer in September for $82,000. Are we talking, since he said collectible? Yeah. But that's insane. Are we talking, now that he said collectible, are we talking about uh, Godzilla, the, uh, the Skyline? No, no, that's not on here. But we're going to talk. I, you know, it's funny, uh, not to digress too much, but I, I read a headline somewhere online recently that said Japan wants us to stop buying all their skylines because <laughs> we hit the magic 25-year mark a couple of years ago when you can finally start bringing those in. Yeah. And people have been bringing them in droves, and I think it's actually driven the market down here because they're not that rare anymore because I see them all the time. It's funny. They're yeah, they're they're pretty. They're know, awesome they're, cars, but they're not as four wheel drive beasts. They're not as they're not as rare as they used to be, at least here in the states. The next uh, car on his list, and this one is a kind of a funky looking vehicle, Ford Escort RS Cosworth, built from ninety two through ninety six, and they made about seven thousand of these RS Cosworths, and they had a, a two liter turbo four cylinder in it. And they were pretty expensive when they were, um, they say a handful were imported to the U.S. by a company in California where they retailed for just under $50,000. Now, this is 25 years ago. And they say that um, it's coming, oh, it's coming up to 25 years old. That's why these cars are on the list. That's why, because it's 25 years mark now. So you can bring these cars in if you can find them. Okay. I'm a little discombobulated here at the end of this long, <laughs> long-winded uh, Car Guys report. Um I'll, episode here, I'll, but I'll jump in and save us. Go ahead. But that's why that's why they, these cars are on the list. But the RS Cosworth, very cool car. It's got a weird, funky, long, ugly wing coming off the rear window. But uh, zero to sixty about six seconds. Top speed 
140, and they just say it's it's fairly hardcore because it was those were rally cars, I believe that um, that they uh, were used for a lot. Yeah, World Rally Championship. But uh, and then another one that you can bring in now, and this is again, I don't know why this is the FD platform though. I'm not sure why this would be. This is. They sold them here, so I don't think the Japanese versions were any different. But the Mazda RX-7, which would have been, this would have been the third generation, I believe, 92 through 2002, the more kind of blobby-shaped one. one. It kind of looks like a C6 Corvette, actually. It's got got that rounded uh, pieces to it. A 944 Porsche? Eh, Kind of, yeah, a little bit. Um, Had the 1.3-liter rotary twin turbochargers. Actually, uh, one of my coworkers in a job a long time ago 25 years ago had one of those cars and he used to race it uh, extensively at high in high speed autocross and he actually had a really weird accident in that car the two odd things that happened to him i mean the car the car was awesome it was bulletproof he'd bring it to the track somehow <clears throat> the one of the front brake rotors developed a um you know, like a microscopic crack in it. And at some point when he was bombing down the stretch going probably, you know, over a hundred miles an hour on like a back straight and he went to hit the brakes, that crack opened up and a wedge shaped piece of the brake rotor broke loose, causing him to lose control. And when the airbag deployed on impact, the back window of that car blew out because of the impact of the airbag Pressure. going off. Yeah, which is pretty. And he he walked away from it. He was banged up a little bit. He didn't break any bones. Uh, the car obviously was totaled, uh, but the speed that he was going at that point was pretty substantial. And this is again, this is probably about twenty five years ago. Um, and he went back to BMWs after um, that RX seven. But he liked that car a lot. It was a neat car. It was a dark uh, forest green. Very fast cars. And again, that's one you just don't see here anymore. Um, you know, the early RX-7s were very cool when they first came out, like in 79 or 80 or whenever. But these these um, mid-90s through early 2000 ones were, were very cool, too. And they go for about thirty grand. It says they're a glorious 95 RX-7 sold and bring a trailer for $30,250. Um, but um, definitely a car, again, that you don't see every day. And it's a decent car because Mazda was the one that perfected the rotary and they basically made them uh, reliable. And those cars were fast and, and, and they handled well and they were just neat. So No Supras, no 300 SX. Not on this list. It's just, it just says the subhead here is three sporty autos from the not, not at all ignominious 90s that you'll want to buy now that they're classic cars. So not all of them are at that 20. Not all of them are. The only one that really you could import on here would be the, the Cosworth because that was never sold here except for that company in California. But the Integra, obviously, I don't know where they get that. Who paid up $82,000? So if you're the guy that bought that $82,000 um, Toyota or uh, Acura Integra DC2 Type R. We'd love to hear from you because we'd like to know what made that car $82,000 worth of your hard-earned money. And speaking of your hard-earned money, you know, this podcast is free. That's the best thing about Radio Misfits 
Podcast Network. We've got a bunch of different podcasts that are all totally free. You can listen to us at any time on any device. You can fast forward, re- rewind, replay, go back in the history and go back to previously recorded programs. Do whatever you want. It's listening on your terms. You can find the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. You can just search for Radio Misfits. You can also just search directly for Car Guys Report and you'll get uh, hooked up with our podcast. And while you're listening to us, we'd love to have you become a subscriber. You'll get an automatic notification when there's new uh, content for the podcast. And also, if you could take a moment to rate us as well. We've got some great uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts and we'd certainly like to get a few more too. So we thank you in advance for taking some time to uh, let other people know what you think about the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Mark Vernon along with uh, Luke Costable. So glad to uh, have you along. We're at that point in the uh, program where we're going to play the My Car Story with Lou guessing game. Just in case you don't know, if you're a new listener, Lou has a very popular uh, YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou. He's got 65,000 or so subscribers and what, 1,600 videos now? uh, Yes, about 1,500, something like that, yeah. And a lot we, of cars. We like to play this uh, game where Lou will uh, list uh, three cars that he has recently featured on his um, YouTube channel. And then I have to try to guess which one had the most views. And I have no idea which cars he's going to tell me about. And it's just uh, up to my vast resources of automotive knowledge to try to guess uh, which cars did well. And sometimes I win and sometimes I don't. And I want to add to this. There's... You know, this is my YouTube channel, and what I mean by that is is that uh, there's no rhyme or reason, meaning I'll throw a car up that I think is going to be great, and it'll do nothing, and I'll throw a car up that I think that is going to be great, and it'll do great. So this is all based on views, and I keep it in the same week so that when I give it to Mark, it's not like one's recent and one's 10 years old. They're all the same time frame. So here's the three cars that we're going to do this time. Okay. In numerical order. When you say numerical, you mean you meaning by year, right? By year. Yeah. So um, the first one is, and we're going to do this in the vein of cars Mark and Lou will like, <laughs> this episode in particular, the 1958 Chevrolet Impala. Hey! <laughs> convertible fuel-injected fuely. Which I have seen that video on that right. on your channel. So yep, that's a great car. There, there's one. The next one is a 73 Pontiac Grand Am 4-speed in Cameo White. Okay. And the last one is a 2010 Dodge Viper SRT10 Final Edition in gray. So I'll go through those three again. The 58 Chevrolet Impala Convertible Fuel-Injected Fuely, the 73 Pontiac Grand Am 4-speed in Cameo White, or the 2010 Dodge Viper SRT10 Final Edition number two in gray. Well, as the owner of a 58 Impala, I'd be remiss if I didn't think that your 58 Impala fuel-injected black convertible would be number one. It's a rare car. The fuel-injected engine is awesome. And black is not my favorite color for that car, but, you know, black's just a cool-looking color. So I'll go with that as number one. I'll go with... um, what was number two again? The you have a 73 Pontiac Grand Am four-speed in cameo white and a 2010 Dodge Viper yeah, SRT10. Yeah, I'll just go in the order edition. you gave them to me. Number two was the Pontiac, and number three was the um, was the final edition gray um, Challenger or whatever it was. Viper. Yeah, Viper. Viper, gray. yeah. 
Okay, so here we go. So number one in those three, the surprise Uh-oh. 1973 Pontiac. Really? Well, Grand that is kind of a Am quirky car. Yeah. Four speed with 14,739 okay. views. The next one with 10,456 views is the 58 Impala okay. Fuel. Okay. And convertible. then the, uh, it was right on number three then, and, the and Viper, I remember this is all in the same yeah. week. Yeah. The Viper had 897 views. So we had 14,000, 10,000, and 897. Well, at so, least the Viper beat the uh, LM002 Lamborghini we talked about in last week's so, episode. So the Grand, the Grand Am had 14 times yeah. more views than the Viper. Those Grand Ams are cool, though. They, they've got that neat front end. And they've got that, that awesome curving back with the with the rear window. And they're, they're funky cars. Did that one have the driver's seat that would pivot to get out, like rotate? You know, it, um, let me answer your question. I don't remember okay. that Because they did have that on, on the Grand Ams now, back I'm then. I'm glad you're saying that, though. That was the whole point to the My Car Story channel. One of the points is to leave the historical legacy of these cars. Yeah. And you're hitting the nail exactly on the head. You, like I, and you mentioned that uh, you went to 50 car shows this year without exaggeration, and you see so many cars that you start to forget the detail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? So w- by videoing the cars, I can keep that memory and that detail, and then just like you said, we'll go back to the log and we'll look at the interior and see if that seat, seat pivots out. Now that you say it, and I'm kind of remembering the video, I want to say no. Okay, because I know but, the but Grand Prix had those, but I, I know that I, I remember way well, back 30 years well, ago. The ones that I remember having that swivel were yeah. the Oldsmobiles, the 442s. Oh, they did? Okay, yeah. so I didn't know that. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of I know the Pontiac had it because I borrowed a friend's... Uh, 74 and i think it was either a grand prix or a, or a grand am and that had the seat well that he, would, and, and chrysler used to have the 300s i believe that would have that pivot seat yeah on a, okay on a few models yeah and then of course ford had the the steering wheel and the thunderbirds that would yep. push off to one side kind of same idea and, and the so the thunderbird steering wheel column would move over yeah and i think the seat might have cur- turned it, out as well it might have yeah that sounds so, like, yeah yeah cool stuff i yeah. wish they would bring some of those back you know that would be good yeah <laughs> um interesting that um being a four-speed car though too that that's kind of rare too for a vehicle that size because that's a big sedan well here's a perfect example this car was videoed at the uh pheasant run um Pontiac, Pontiac show, Pontiac yeah, the, show. the they call Indian, it Indian, Indian, Indian uprising, yeah. So I'm at that show, and I'm vi- I, d- I had limited time because they were going to turn the music on, yeah. All right, and that'll kill the the. I won't have the copyrights to whatever song they play, so I had to pick kind of wisely, and I said, okay, I'm doing a '69 Judge GTO. That was in carousel red, which looks orange, and it's the, kind of the iconic judge that most people yeah. think about. So I thought that was easy. And then I did a 71 judge, or uh, yeah, I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was a judge, but it was a 455H uh, high output um, GTO, and that was tremendous looking. And I was kind of walking around going, what am I going to do last? And I thought, you never see a 73 exactly, Grand yeah. Am. So. Sure enough, I did the 73 Grand Am, and it, you know, there's, you know, I would have thought it got 700 views compared to a Viper, and it gets 14,000, and the Viper gets less than 1,000. It's yeah. just, there's no rhyme or reason to it. One of my, my favorite stories um, <clears throat> from the Indian Uprising a couple of years ago, because they always have a, a featured mark or a featured model 
and um, I think it was two years ago. They did the, and and you'll you'll know which model I'm talking about. It was the. It might have been the one that you just did. It was it was the Can Am? Oh, okay. The, the, Seventy seventy seven Can Am. The Can Ams. Yeah, it was yeah. basically the car that you did, but it had like the louvers on the rear windows, and they were basically all white. They were almost identical, but they weren't. Some of the interiors were a little different, but all the cars were white. They had the white wheels and the special graphics, and you just never see those, and they were featuring those. Yeah. And there must have been 25 of them there. Wow. And I was just waiting to walk up to one of the owners and go, and, and I, I was so tempted to say this as jokingly, of course, with respect. I, I didn't get a chance to, but I, w- I wanted to say, hey, I thought these were rare, because yeah. <laughs> you know, there are 25 of them there, even more, 29, something like that. Well, let's talk about the Can-Am for a moment. So there's a few of them on the channel. So if people look up, I think it's 77. It was a one-year yeah, only. Yeah. 77 Pontiac. And the shaker Canon. hood too, right? Yeah. yeah. They had that Pontiac Trans Am hood yeah, coming through. The, the shaker hood. It's coming through. And uh, like you said, they're all white. They had a, uh, I want to say it was orange and red and um, like yellow, a, like a yellow yeah, colored stripe, stripe yeah. around it. Very 77-ish, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the somewhat mod look to it. And uh, some really unique interiors where the stripe was basically incorporated into the interior. Okay. So uh, just some some really interesting things. But I remember the uh, I interviewed an, a man and a woman who had the car, and the wife took the car home, and the guy was on his Harley motorcycle, and she says, "We got to take this car back." And he says, well, "Well, why do we have to take the car back?" She goes, "This car's only doing thirty miles an hour." He says, 30 miles an hour, I was driving next to you. He says, we're doing 80. He says, you're looking at the tack. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, that's what the car story is all about. Cool. Good. Well, uh, obviously, we always like to talk about uh, what's uh, happening on Lou's uh, YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou. Definitely uh, make sure that you check it out because there's just a ton of incredible cars. And that's why I always, sometimes when we start the program, I'm talking about a certain car and I go like, you know, Lou, I bet you got one of these on your site. And nine times out of ten, he he will have one on his site. So it's definitely worth your time to uh, check it out. Lou's going to take a break for the next episode of the Car Guys Report. I'll be here with uh, special guest Scott Crane, a guy that is a car guy extraordinaire. Some great stuff to talk about with Scott Crane. That will be on the next episode of the Car Guys Report. And don't forget, too, that we're going to have a special uh, Corvette C8 episode down the line with uh, Lou and our man in the field, Roger Rexroad. So that's something to look forward to as well. I'm Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, listen to the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Certainly appreciate having you along. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is the word hippo spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Coming to the Radio Misfits Podcast Network... That's us. I'm Kimmy. I'm Sam. And I am Tommy right here. We're going to talk about Florida men. We're going to talk about paranormal stories. We're going to talk about uh, city stuff. City stuff. 
sex talk. And sex talk. And yeah, sex talk will come up. But only if it's brought up. We got to keep that on the DL. So come meet your new friends with and friends on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, radiomisfits.com, and Opi Production. Direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. This week on Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview, we talk with Chicago radio dude Stan Lawrence. Your favorite brush with greatness story? The evening I spent watching Andy Warhol shoot heroin. Okay. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, you don't see this every day. <laughs> Minutia Men, Celebrity Interview, an OPI show. Only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com.